Well, how is everybody doing this morning? Yeah, there we go. Adam's excited for this morning. Uh, it's so good to see everyone here um, today, and it's awesome just to get to gather again. And um, obviously last week we didn't meet because of winter retreat, and so it's good just to, to be back here today. And um, we'll, we'll see how, how we feel afterwards because I feel like today is, is a challenge, um, but a good challenge for us as we've, I've personally felt with, with this series of the ways of the kingdom has been just one big challenge, one big thing that's been like figuring out what it looks like um, to live in the, the Jesus kingdom. And so I have a question for us this morning. When is, what? Oh, okay. when, when was the last time you sought revenge on someone for something? Probably today or yesterday or within this last week. <laughs> um, but this is something that, that I would say most of us are challenged with, and not in the aspect of maybe by doing the action, um, but in the mind something that we've thought about, where someone maybe cuts us off and we wish we could cut them off back um, in the car, or maybe someone crosses you like your professor um, and you wish something would happen to them, or maybe it's, you know, a a friend of yours or someone that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You you know who that person is. Don't say their name, but you know that person. Um, Stuff like that. And what we're learning through this series specifically in all of these weeks, especially the past about three, three to four weeks, is, is that God, Jesus, wants us to be transformed from the inside out. He wants us to be restored and redeemed. And so a lot of these weeks, the core of it all is the same. You know, the, the issue might be a little different, but the, the result is the same. It's supposed to help lead us to loving God and loving others as ourself. It's supposed to lead us to forgiving and showing grace and showing mercy and showing kindness. These things that at, the, at the, the core is the way of Jesus, to be restored and redeemed, to be his, to be united in community. And so today, we're, we're looking at specifically like revenge and, and what that looks like. And at the heart of it, what we're going to see is that Jesus desires for us to set aside our rights to revenge and to getting back at people so that we can love people in return. And so I want to take time to pray, and we'll dig into the the scripture today. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we have this opportunity to learn from your word. And I pray, Jesus, that we would listen to the Spirit's convictions that he lays on us today and that we would um, grow closer to you through, through um, what you reveal to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so, you probably know this because we say it every week, but uh, if you have the Version Bible app, you can go into the events section of that, uh, click on our Christian Student Fellowship page, and there should be some notes there that has like the scripture, maybe a few resources, um, some notes, 
and, and a Bible plan that, that you can go through this week to, to just dive in deeper to what we're talking about today. And so um, recently, um, Adam and I had a one-on-one, and we were talking about how the, the ways of following Jesus that are, are, you know, in this section are often countercultural, and at the core of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5 has to deal with heart issues of his followers. We were talking like some, some of the things we go through is like, you know, I would like to develop this habit, or I would like to do this type of, of thing, but we were talking about this, it's like, these are real issues that we have that we're dealing with as we're teaching these. And, and I think that's good because I think that these things that are talked about in the Sermon on the Mount are issues that we all deal with throughout our life. It's not just like, oh, a one and done thing, okay, I'm, I'm good to go. No, like these things are things that we're going to encounter until the day that, that, that we pass on to, to be with Jesus. These are things we're always going to be dealing with. And so today what we need to know in the aspect of revenge and vi- vengeance is we all feel it. We all feel it. You're not alone in that feeling. If someone has no ill feelings ever to, to lead to revenge, um, you might be Jesus. <laughs> um, just, just being honest, because there are little things that happen that, you know, maybe, maybe you don't say it out loud again, um, but you might think it. And so part of reconciliation and redemption is not just on the outside, it's from the inside out. That's what Jesus wants, is not just the outside he wants the inside out as well. And so what we're going to look at is that Jesus calls us to pursue love. He calls us to give ourselves to people in love, even people who might cause us pain, who might cause us suffering. He wants us to love them as well. And I love how D.A. Carson sums up this set of verses um, about the follower in the Jesus kingdom. Um, they do not have the right to retaliate and wreak their vengeance. They do not have the right to their possessions, nor to their time and money. Even their legal rights may sometimes be abandoned. And so the question that may strike us is, how do we set aside our rights so that others can be loved? And so let's read. Let's, let's see what, what Jesus has to say um, specifically about this. Matthew 5:38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt and hand, then hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So again, this question, how do we set aside our rights so that others can be loved? And the first way that we read about is do not retaliate against evil with violent aggression. On the subject of not retaliating against evil, Daniel Aiken um, writes, writes this, Jesus did not oppose its legal application he opposed its use to justify acts of personal revenge and vengeance. Verses 38 and 39 are pretty, pretty inter, 
connected well with each other. It's another one of those, those sayings of Jesus where he's telling the crowd, you have heard that it was said, and this time the thing that was said was to do with eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. We see that commonly through, throughout, uh, throughout um, Scripture. Um, but this was supposed to be a law to help bring justice to situations without discrimination. That was the purpose of it. It wasn't supposed to be a law that people could just, you know, um, intertwine. And, and what, what was being shown here, what, what had happened, is that people were finding loopholes to this law so that they could, they could still do the thing that they wanted to do, the revenge that they wanted to cause the person, um, which we talked about a few weeks ago, is some of these laws that Jesus said are in Scripture, but people through time had, had warped these laws, had warped the meaning of these things to, to fit their own way. And so this, in, in turn, was supposed to be a thing that, that brought justice without discrimination to people, and people had, had warped that. And so um, what, what Jesus is saying here is, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus calls his followers to see them as neighbors, which is countercultural, right? People who are, who are causing ill feelings towards us, um, that they are supposed to be loved and not hated. So again, I have a lot of quotes today, I'm sorry, but people are a lot smarter than I am, and I want to show honor to them. So, <laughs> um, yes. Anyways, the mindset that says, I don't get mad, I get even, is foreign to the ethics of Paul and the crucified Galilean Jesus. It was, must also be foreign to those who follow him. We are to walk in his steps and follow his, his example, no matter how hard it is to do it. Remember, the kingdom is united. It's whole. It's not a bunch of fractured little pieces. It's supposed to be whole together. And so that's, that's in this. That means that we need to be willing to set down our rights to eye for an eye so that we can love, show grace, and show forgiveness the way that Jesus has done for us. And so the next, next part of this is, is we need to turn the other cheek. And so this, this is one that sometimes people, people use to, um, I want to be careful in saying this because I don't want it to, to sound bad, but it's different than sometimes we, we twist it to be, if that makes sense. Um, and the culture of the day, Jesus talks about in these verses, made sense during his day that sometimes we misrepresent in how we take it literally. And by that, taking these verses as if Jesus was saying them today. And so if you read these verses literally, you might think that if someone is going to beat you up, then you can do nothing about it and let them just beat you up. And what Jesus is, is not saying here is he's not saying self-defense. It's not like, a, like if, if someone is, is trying to, to do that to you, I think you have every right to try and get out of the situation. It's not just to sit there and, and take punches all day long. What Jesus is talking about here specifically is that turning the other cheek is about enduring the insults that people throw at you. If you're looking for a model on the subject, you have no greater example than Christ himself. Charles Quarrell says in his, his book, Sermon on the Mount, Restoring Christ's Message on the Modern Church, Jesus himself was the perfect model of this gracious response to the abuses of others. He was mocked, spat on, beaten with sticks, slapped, scourged, 
and nailed to a cross. Nevertheless, he endured this all without retaliation, even with forgiveness on his lips. Never is the disciple more like the Savior than when he responds to abuses graciously without retaliation. And that's the big key there, without retaliation. The goal here is to put away a heart full of malice, anger, and revenge, and instead put on a heart full of grace, forgiveness, and love. And honestly, that's not easy. If we're being real, that's not, that's not always easy. When someone backstabs you, leaves you all alone, hurts you deep, it stings. It's not fun to, to have all that happen. But following Jesus is meant to be different. He knows what will make your heart whole. At the, at, the, at the end of it, he knows what will make your heart whole. It's doing things that we're not used to doing in our culture, like forgiving someone for, for you know, if, if we're using a wor- like, like a real-world example, it means forgiving the person who overstepped you to get to the boss to give them the promotion instead of you. It's forgiving them for, 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 you know, taking advantage of you because they know you'll say yes for, to, to everything. It means for forgiving and showing grace even though we don't want to do it. Pretty much every week so far in this series is, is, is a lot about swallowing pride that wants to explode on the person and Jesus tells us to offer the other cheek. It's not worth it to hurt the other person just to make your point. I'm guilty of that. Caitlin might agree with that. <laughs> it's easy to let that, that come in. But instead, we need to love the person. John writes in 1 John four nineteen and three sixteen. these two verses, we love because Jesus, or God, first loved us. And this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters as well. Regardless of how hard it is, we love others by turning the other cheek. Cheek, sorry, cheek. Um, And I have this quote again that, that talks about this. Jesus did not oppose its legal application. He opposed its use to justify acts of personal revenge and vengeance. And so this law, as, as we talked about earlier, was supposed to be a law to help bring justice to situations without discrimination. And instead, as we said earlier as well, just to recap, people found ways to, to make loopholes so that they could exact revenge on others. The right of revenge on someone who has hurt you is called to be thrown away by Jesus. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus calls his followers to see them as neighbors and that they are supposed to be loved and not hate. So turn the other's cheek. The next thing that we see is where demands abound, let grace abound more. In our section of scripture, we read about Jesus urging, if someone sues you for a shirt, to give them your coat as well. Um, we remember that? Like, this might be a tad confusing. Like, why would someone just sue for a shirt? You know, like, Here's, here's, here's the shirt that's like $5, right? Um, well, during these days of Jesus, the shirt or tunic was worn and, and looked similar to what we would, you know, oftentimes like 
call a robe. You know, it's, it's just the, a longer garment that goes typically past the knees. Um, it was worn next to the, the skin and under the coat. The shirt was often used for payment or bartering. And so if people were suing you because you stole something from them, they would often see you for the clothes on your back. Your coat was, was seen even more valuable and was also often used as, as bedding because, you know, if, if you're not at home, what, what do you use? Our, the version, their version of the sleeping bag was, was the, the coat that they were wearing. Um, they, would, they would use that for their bedding. And so there were actually Old Testament laws that required the poor not to have their coat taken from them in the order of court. So what else are they going to use, right? Where we usually distribute um, with cash, they would often have more of a trading resource system. And that still happens today, but not as much in our culture that we see. And so to protect the poor, there were, there were laws that required poor to still have bedding versus having it taken from underneath them. And so in this verse, Jesus says, even if someone is suing you for the shirt on your back, give them the coat as well. Because we're called to go above and beyond. We're not just called to go along with society. We're called to bring redemption and restoration. And part of that means being countercultural. Um, this quote from R.T. France is, a radically unselfish attitude will amaze the world. but it will invite the blessing and pleasure of your heavenly Father who is witness to all that is taking place. When someone is out to see you, give them more than what they ask for. That's grace. And you might be thinking, how is that grace? Well, grace is basically getting what you don't deserve. And so Jesus used this example because all these ideas like kind of flowed together, but you could insert other examples that aren't, you know, technically about being sued. For example, if someone asks for forgiveness because of what they've done to you, you give it to them. If someone, for example, say you agree to a bake sale, you love baking cookies, and they know that, and they ask for two dozen cookies. They deserve two dozen cookies, right? Well, you give them three dozen. You go above and beyond with it. You know, you could say, show, show grace in, in whatever aspect of that, but where the demands are, Go further than that. Let grace abound more than that. A radically unselfish attitude looks to go above and beyond with the gift of grace that has been given in all aspects of life, not just when they've been sued. The next one is always be willing to go the extra mile. And this is one that sounds cool, right? This is like, oh yeah, go the extra mile, keep going, keep going. And um, it's, it's interesting because that's good. You should do that. But I think the, the, at the time, the culture there, um, it, it kind of makes sense why Jesus would say, go the extra mile, not just as like some cool thing, but, but to, to extend further that love and grace. This term is that, you know, a majority of have heard us. Um, and um, when we look at the history about it, um, we can know the impact of what going that extra mile even is even more than sometimes than what we assume. So Israel in this time that Jesus was giving the sermon had fallen under the rule of Rome and the Israelites could be compelled, a nice way of saying forced, to assist Roman military powers. The Jews hated this because it was a public illustration of how humiliating it was to be a people under control of another. 
So as an Israelite, you were legally required to carry the load that the Romans handed over to you for at least a mile or a thousand paces. When you reached that limit, you could drop the load. You could say, I'm done. You no longer had to carry the weight of the Roman soldier. In this verse about going one mile, Jesus challenges the people to go a second mile, to keep going with it. Instead of dropping the weight, he urges people to voluntarily do that. Not because they had to, but because they're showing compassion to the soldier. And this is a bit of a longer quote, but I think it's, it's really good when it talks about um, going the extra mile. Obligation dictated the first mile. Compassion directs the second. You have a choice on the second mile. The Roman soldier would no doubt be shocked and wonder why you would serve him, your enemy, when it is not required. Gospel opportunities abound for us to show and say to others, I serve you because I have been served. In fact, let me tell you about the one who comes to serve us both, who came to serve the world, bearing its burden of sin all the way to the cross. Jesus went way more miles than he had to out of compassion to love us and to save us. What if we just went one extra mile? People would change because we changed by the fact that Jesus did for us. I think that's something we need to be reminded of, is that Jesus didn't have to do what he did. He did because he loves us, because he wants to see his creation whole again, the creation he cares so dearly about. He wants to see it whole again. And what if we had that thought come to us as well, that we desire so badly to see the kingdom of Jesus be whole again, to be united, to be cared for. Which leads into our last one um, about this, of, of setting aside of rights. Help those in need. And so this example from Jesus in the last verse of the section has to do with others who have legitimate needs. Jesus urges the people to give to those who are in need and also who want to borrow from us. The people Jesus talks about here are not people who are, who are lazy or slothful. These people that, he, that he's urging people to help are those who are desperately hurting and they are asking for help. In the days of Jesus, Jews would oftentimes rather die than ask for help. So the fact that they're being shown like they have, they have a legitimate need. If we have the means to help, Jesus wants us to dive in with both feet. He doesn't want us to be the people that just shame them for their status or to lecture them. Show them the love of Jesus that has transformed your heart and desires to transform them as well. As Charles Spurgeon so brilliantly puts it um, in his, his exposition on this, be generous. A miser is no follower of Jesus. That's challenging, right? That's hard to hear. At least it is for me. And so today we've, we've looked at what it looks like, you know, to, to set aside the, these, these rights that we, we oftentimes have. Like, that's the thing. We have these rights. But Jesus wants us to willingly set them aside so that we can love others regardless of what they've done to us. And so today, it might be challenging for some of us. This whole week has been a challenge for me, <laughs> um, putting this together. It's not easy to take a back seat or set aside our rights. But in this, what we need to remember is that having 
having you know, these, these rights set aside is a guide to direct us out of shaming others, displaying hate, being rude, and getting angered, and it directs us into loving and forgiving and showing grace to these people the same way that Jesus showed that to us. Same way that Jesus showed us grace. So, I think that one of the verses that always comes to mind when I think of this is when Jesus is, is on the cross. And we say this verse a lot, but when he willingly says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, to the people who put him up there, the ultimate display, literally, of what it looks like to show grace, forgiveness, and love to your enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. My prayer is that we would be able to apply that even to us. And maybe they even know what they're doing, but we're willing to forgive them. We're willing not to seek revenge or vengeance or to harm them, but to love them as Jesus has loved us. So let's pray. Jesus, today it, it has been a challenge. And so I pray, God, that, that this, this wouldn't be something that, that we, we just leave behind, but God, that we would continue to meditate on what it looks like to set aside um, our right to, to get back at someone or our right to um, cause revenge or vengeance. And instead, Jesus, that we could, we could learn to love those who, who are difficult to us, those who, who, who cause us pain, and be reminded that, that, that sometimes we can be those people as well. And so, Jesus, I pray that, that we would ask for forgiveness for the times that, that we've failed, the times that we've caused pain as well. I pray, Jesus, that we would continue to seek what it looks like to be restored in your kingdom, to seek that overall unity together um, in the body of Christ. So I thank you, Jesus, that, that you give us chance after chance and that it's not over. It's not a one-and-done thing, but Jesus, you give us chance after chance. So thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.